We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day, just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by TheraOne CBD, NFL Sunday Ticket, and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius. And the Lakers have taken a 2-1 series lead with a 116-108 to victory over the Portland Trailblazers in what was a very stressful game. All I know is that we were down at halftime and we committed 12 turnovers and missed 13 free throws in the first half. And then I started drinking wine and then we played better. So, uh, that, I changed... I changed my clothes at halftime. Yes. Oh yeah, we had we had all sorts of so. Lakers. See, we've we've been here before. We've done this before. We know we when the juju needs to be changed, and we changed said juju and uh, got much better results in the second half. Portland made a lineup change in this one. They took out Wendell Gabriel, put Hassan Whiteside for a Twins Towers starting lineup there. Uh, the first half I thought was. What was so frustrating and stressful about it was obviously the free throws. There were so many defensive miscommunications. There were weird turnovers. Like 
Caruso made a pass from like the top of the tried to make a post entry from the top of the key into the like left block, and that's always going to be a turnover. I must have said, "What the hell are you guys doing?" Like a dozen times in that first half. So I thought it was. I thought that first half was very indicative of, of like a lack of focus, and they very much turn, turned that around in the second half. But aside from the, you know, making kind of silly mistakes or missing free throws, kind of preventable mistakes, mm-hmm. what do you think the impact of making that lineup change was for Portland on the Lakers? I mean, I think that starting a second big, I thought, I thought they did that for a couple of different reasons. One, I think it was to continue to pack the paint defensively. Um, I think it was hit and miss with that. You you know, I thought that the Lakers, when they weren't shooting themselves in the foot and sort of missing open shots, their shot quality was basically fine and they were still drawing fouls. And so I thought defensively, it didn't have that great of an impact. I, I thought offensively, though, it did do some things for them, and it was clearly incorporated into their game plan. Um, they started doing a lot more short roll stuff with, with Nurkic. Um, they tried to play two-man game a little bit with Nurkic at the nail and then Whiteside down low. They got a couple of shots off of that. Like Whiteside got like a little jump hook when the Lakers were scrambling for, well, for help there. Um, I also thought that... They did it to have more activity in their screen game. If there was mm-hmm. something I saw from Portland this well, well, this game, and I think Jeff Van Gundy actually mentioned it on well, well, on the broadcast, but Portland went back to running a little bit more of like their standard stuff. A um, mm-hmm. lot of flare screen action, a lot more off ball work. Um, they still are a heavy pick and roll team, but I thought that they were doing second side stuff a lot with CJ and it helped to have the second big in there as like the other screener rather than Mm -hmm. it being Gabriel. Like Mm -hmm. I just thought the bigger body helped with that stuff. And I thought it was effective for them and that the Lakers made some uncharacteristic uncharacteristic mistakes early with some of their communication on mm-hmm. on those screens and the way that they were were not jumping out like they ran a flare screen like they run Portland's like one of Portland's pet actions is that zipper cut that they run for CJ McCollum to to come up the lane and they do this for Dame too but they zipper you up the lane and then they then they run you on sort of an Iverson cut across the top of the key and they set a flare with their second big man and that's right and danny green tried to to go under that and then cj flared it Mm -hmm. and then he Mm -hmm. hit that that open three and if he's gonna go under there then the big has to like step over the top and sort of like try to deflect that angle or make that pass a little bit more looping so and that's like that's a bit of like that's really on on Danny for making the read that he did that way, but there's yeah. also that lack of of partnership in the screen game that I thought showed up a lot in the first half, um, and, and I don't know how attributable that was to 
to the lineup change per se, but I do think that was an that, us thing. That was yeah. us. But yeah. but I do think Portland was definitely trying to say, all right, well, we've got these two big guys. We were successful with it in game one. Let's throw it out there early and see if we can jump on them a little bit and maybe put the pressure on them. But mm-hmm. I actually don't think the Lakers felt that pressure from the Blazers. I thought it was more they just weren't as into it and were lacking focus in in a way that that – put them behind a little bit and, mm-hmm. and it could have been worse for them, but their defense still did show up on everyone else besides Dame and CJ. And I thought that that was important. Yeah, that was very much a self-inflicted. A lot of the mistakes they made in the first half, though, one thing that Portland did that I thought was interesting that plays to the twin towers effect. And you, you mentioned it with their screen setting is they set a lot of Ram screens. And what a Ram screen is, is when you screen for the screener. And so, you know, this makes sense intuitively, right? Like bigger guys set better screens in general. They're more likely to make contact to kind of get somebody off of you. And so what they'll do is like white side would set a Ram screen for Nurkic, who would be kind of in the dunker spot right around the baseline. And then Nurkic would come up to set a ball screen, usually for Dame, right? And if Whiteside makes contact on that, or they'd do that vice versa. If either guy makes contact on that Ram screen, the sc- the screen setter for Dame is going to have some separation from the guy that got screened. And the guy that got screened is going to have to be recovering. And that gives, like, if you're running out to the three-point line, because it's like, oh, crap, that's Dame coming off of that. We've got to show at the level of the ball. That allows him to attack those closeouts. You know, he's moving toward you. You can, Dame can blow by him. Uh, and I thought that was good usage. Uh, you know, those off-ball screens, that that flare, uh, flare screen play where CJ hit the three was an excellent example. I thought that them playing their two bigs helped to get Dame and CJ off a little bit. Yeah, more more than than they had in game two. While combined with like, I thought AD made a lot of mistakes in ball screen coverages, right? Where, you know, he was on the wrong side and it was just a general like lack of focus from him, especially in that, in that first half. And I think he would tell you that he also responded like, like gangbusters in the, in the second half to that. And it also speaks to like the level of, I think this Lakers team is considerably better than Portland. They're clearly, they're clearly better like you know one through eight like Mm -hmm. uh, like um what's clear to me through three games is is that um dame and cj can make any game competitive Mm -hmm. right um but in the big picture the 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 games have been dictated by the level the outcome of each game has been dictated by the level of the lakers play Right. Mm-hmm. And so in game one, the Lakers played very poorly offensively and they played well defensively. And the outcome was basically that the Lakers lost because they were so bad offensively that they could never really close the gap that Portland opened up early in the game. Right. Mm-hmm. And then in the second game, the Lakers were dominant defensively and you know, 
average to above average offensively with AD having like a super, super, superstar game and KCP having a very good role player game. And, and that was clearly like, that's the difference, right? Mm -hmm. And in this game, I thought that the Lakers did enough to hang around in the Mm -hmm. first half and not let Portland create a bunch of separation. And then in the second half, they just decided we're much better. We're going to focus and we're going to play hard and we're going to really put the clamps on defensively. And they pretty much erased the lead, took control Mm -hmm. of the game and then kept the Blazers at arm's length the rest of the game. And I, I don't want to like discredit Portland here in this way and make them seem like they have no effect on what the outcome of the game is, but it's but, no disrespect, man. They're not as good as the, yeah, but they're Lakers just not team. as good. Like, that like that's exactly what I was going to say. They're just not as good of a team, and it's over the course of the game, you can it's you can just see it. It's just playing mm-hmm. out in in a way that's fairly obvious. Now, I'm a biased observer, obviously. I I want to see the good in the Lakers, but it's pretty clear now, um, especially over the last four halves of basketball, who the better team is. Yeah, absolutely. And a big part of that, and one of the things that, you know, the whole timeline on Twitter, half of the tweets that I saw were like, you know, 12 turnovers, 13 missed free throws, played like crap, and we're only down four. We're lucky to be down four, right? Which was true. That was the first half was irritating to me more, not from a what is the final result going to be. Like, I think barring an injury, the Lakers are in good shape because they're a better team, right? For for some of the reasons that, that we've laid out. But it's more about, like, in some ways, this series is the ramp up for the Lakers, mm-hmm. right? The first serious games that they've gotten to play in the bubble. And it's more about, like, coming out with focus and energy and being able to, like, y'all didn't win the game in game two. You know, you won by 30 or whatever, but it that was not accomplished then. And I was I was frustrated by the lack of focus in the first half. But the reason we were only down four is because we got to see playoff LeBron for the first time yeah. in a Lakers uniform, right? He'd been good in the other two games, regardless of what he was scoring, but he really was aggressive as a scorer. They had Gary Trent Jr. on him a lot, big size advantage there. And he was really aggressive at attacking the basket. What did you see from LeBron tonight as a scorer specifically? I, I mean, he just seemed intent on getting his shot off, right? Which is not something he did at all in game two. Um, and I think that that intent to get shots led to him drawing fouls. He got to the free throw line. Um, I thought he was aggressive in in transition and semi-transition, mm-hmm. um, which is Im- which is an important part of the Lakers game overall, mm-hmm. which I think like that's a big driver for what their offensive success as a team is going to look like. Um, they can do that without LeBron, right? Mm-hmm. But when it's LeBron that's leading that charge, I think that that impact then exponentially goes up, right? Because he's such a dominant transition player. So... So him just seeking out contact, you you know, I thought that it was actually indicative of what his g- 
game was going to be like that he sort of drew what he thought were those two cheap offensive fouls, right? <laughs> uh-huh. and, and those might have even got him going a little bit, almost like, oh, well, you're going to try to bait me with these? Mm-hmm. Well, guess right. what then? On some of these plays, like, I'm just going to make you foul me, right? right. Like, right? So I'm not going to push off. I'm going to basically rip through. I'm going to get to the basket, and then you're going to have to wrap me up the way that Nurkic did on on well, on that one play. Or I'm going to get to the offensive glass, you know, when he stole that offensive rebound from Dwight after Dwight missed that pass off, or missed that layup off, off of that shovel pass that he gave, gave him. LeBron snuck in, grabbed the offensive board, pump faked, got Nurkic up, and then got the end one and did his little shoulder roll thing. Like, you know, get off me. So the stuff I saw from from Braun to me was more mentality stuff. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like schematic or they were trying to put him in a better position. He just decided, look, on some of these, I'm going to shoot now rather than I'm going to pass. Yeah. He made a choice. Right. And that's what it was. This was the game that if we end up playing Houston in the second round, I think that this is the type of LeBron that we'll need to beat them hmm. in that AD was really struggling. And we'll get into this in the second segment about AD's first half versus second half. But in terms of creating opportunities on the ball, it's LeBron. And then there's a huge drop off. AD makes his contributions in other ways. And we'll get to that. But from an on ball, like give them the ball against a set defense type of situation. Uh, especially against like Gary Trent Jr. is a lot smaller, a lot smaller than LeBron, right? And so LeBron looking to get to the rim, and that's something where if LeBron, you know, little hesitation move or something that gets his shoulder not even past Trent, but kind of even, even, even if he gets Le- even, that's exactly right. Go ahead. No, LeBron is an even player. Right. Yes. And so you, <laughs> yes. like if he is even with you, that is advantage for him. His shoulders are too wide. He's too strong. He yes. plays with too much of of a balanced base. He understands leverage like there are just all of these little things that add up in his favor. So when he's even with you, he is basically either going to get by you or he is going to get you off of him in, in mm-hmm. a way where the separation is coming, right? That's right. And, and it does. It actually doesn't matter if you're smaller than him. Being smaller makes it so that you're over. Like, right. You're, like you're, well, you're done. Like yeah, you're, you're sealed. You're sealed on his shoulder and you're out of the play. No, you're, you, you might as, they, they might as well build like a little, like you know those little mo- like those motorcycles that have the little sidecar <laughs> thing, right? If you're smaller than him, you're getting put in one of those sidecars, and you're going for a ride with this dude. Like that's what it's like. So I love that analogy. It's so true. He just seals you on his shoulder, man, and you're just you're done. You're done on that play, and that's the yeah. We'll talk more about that with Houston. This is a great preparation for that. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about AD's game. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands how it feels to be tense and sore. 
so everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Worsland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with a revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim to be organic, but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the USA, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now, through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. That's T-H-E-R-A-G-U-N dot com backslash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something that TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Sundays are coming back with the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. All right, so Anthony Davis had a, I believe, six-point first half and was, I thought his free-throw shooting really kind of took his aggression away. He was he was a little, uh, you know, made a few turnovers, like I said earlier, was miscommunicating, miscommunicating on his ball screen defense, was just kind of drifting around out there. And then came out in the second half and was just killing it. He was fantastic. It was a superb response to a, a bad first half by him. My perspective is not so much that the lineup change by Portland impacted him, but the way by which we tried to attack it changed from one half to the other. To me, how... AD is most effective is rather simple, right? In that if you've got a big guy on him, then you stretch them out to the perimeter and he's going to cook them, whether it's in pick and pop situations or driving to the basket. If he's got a size advantage, those are times to, uh, like, we didn't post up as much in the second half with him. A lot more pick and roll, uh, a lot more like pick and pop. They ran the same play four straight times and they got... Three buckets, three jumpers from AD, which I liked. They were from mid-range, which I know it's like you're supposed to pop out to the three-point line. But I thought it got his rhythm going to get him shooting. And that's a that's a you know over 50% shot for him, that little pick and pop with nobody on him in a drop coverage. That's then a on practice the fourth shot. That's, that's a practice shot. Like that's a practice shot for him. So, 100%. And he's going to make more than half of those easily. Uh, and then on the fourth one, he got fouled but missed both free throws. Um, let, let's start with the first half. Uh, Darius, what did you see from him in that first half? You know, it was interesting. He, To me, it was sort of the antithesis of what he did in the first half of game, game two. Game two. Right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the burst and the energy and sort of that aggressiveness to the ball mm-hmm. was not – 
there in the same way. Uh, you you know, you said he had like a six point half. There was at one point where he was at the free throw line and he had already taken a few and, you know, he started the game out and I think he got fouled on his first few possessions. He was like one for five from the foul line to start <laughs> yeah. the game. Um yeah. and but he had only taken like two field goal attempts and it uh-huh. was like deep into the first in the half. second quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I'm just like, "Oh, this is one of those games for AD." And I I was frust- I was so frustrated at so many of the other things that were going on that it's like I almost didn't notice that AD wasn't getting to the ball as well. Like like I did, but all of these other things were just pissing me the hell off that that <laughs> that that was much lower on on my priority list right like but when you look back in hindsight you realize that he wasn't going to the offensive glass the same way he mm-hmm. he he wasn't running the floor the same way he wasn't like grabbing and going off of defensive rebounds he just wasn't the same active player that he needs to be and what he was in the second half of, of this game. And so when you talk about what I saw during the first half, it, he was, he was, you know, J A G out there. Right. Mm -hmm. And for coaches out there, like, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's just another guy. And, Mm -hmm. and when you're Anthony Davis, you need to be more than, than just another guy. Now, he was still doing things right. I like, I thought he was okay defensively. Obviously he was drawing fouls offensively. And and those are things that help tilt the game in, in your favor or, and I think him drawing fouls allowed the Lakers to get into the penalty earlier, Mm -hmm. which then got them to the free throw line and allowed them to stick in the game in a way that they maybe wouldn't have if he, if, he wasn't getting those same types of calls or if LeBron was, wasn't as aggressive as he was as well. But it was like night and day between the first half and well, 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 and the second half, right? Mm-hmm. Well, one adjustment that we made were those pick and pops, right? Like that, we, that same play with AC, and that was a huge stretch of the game. You mentioned this right before we jumped on. But I've noticed, like, you know, our offense has been really rough with LeBron off of the court, and that continues a theme throughout the season. And But it was, it's more like a, they don't know what they're doing out there. Like, they're just kind of trying to figure it out. Like, there's no cohesive plan. And in the second half, when LeBron went to the bench, it was like a one-point game, and they ran a lot of that AC and AD pick and pop. Now, that is... That's an action that I don't necessarily think is translatable a lot going forward against teams that switch. But if they're going to be in a drop coverage, that's going to be open. One of the weaknesses of a drop coverage is the ability of a big that picks and pops. Now, he was doing it out to 15, 18 feet, and I like that, right? Like, there are going to be some times where that's out to the three-point line. AD's feeling good. He's got his rhythm. But he didn't have his rhythm up to that point. AD must have hit three or four jumpers in that range in the third quarter and it really got him going man like that was the exactly the right adjustment at the right time to make and rather than giving ad those elbow touches or those high post touches more off to the side we really involved him more in the in pick and roll actions and i think that's something that going forward 
they're going to need to do more and more because I actually trust AD to get a bucket more from the perimeter than I do from the post or high post. Well, look, man, like what have we talked about? And this is a point that I've hammered home a lot, I think, over the last few pods when we've been talking about AD in general, is that he's best as an offensive player when he's on the move, right? And and we've talked a lot about that being when he's going towards the basket. And that's obvious, right? Like he's such a lob threat and he's got great hands and and, mm-hmm. and he can really finish around the hoop. But getting him on the move doesn't always have to be him as a slasher to the hoop, right? When he's when he's in that pocket for the short roll and he catches the ball there too, the defense is in they're in a pickle, man. Like it's a conundrum when he catches mm-hmm. the ball out at a jump stop right there because he can easily just rise up and shoot that in rhythm jumper just like he did in this game and and then knock it down, but he can also show and go. He can also then pause and and he can get you in triple threat game to sort of jab step and and, and he can find his rhythm when he's catching the ball and and he's actually on the move. Yes. And, and, and the defense is on their heels a little bit because they're not exactly sure which way he's going to go or what the next thing that's going to happen is. And he's just so talented that he can beat you in so many different ways after making the catch. But throw it into him in the post, turn and face, or dribble back down, that's not the same. Him. No. Now he's good enough to beat you that way. He like he just is, but his it's it's just not nearly as efficient, no. and he's not nearly as productive that way. Well, you mentioned rhythm twice when you're talking there, and that's from watching him day to day over the course of the year. That's one thing that's become really apparent is how much him being in a rhythm. Like so, he had this one play where he shot. A step, it was like a sidestep, not necessarily step back, but a, a sidestep to his left. And I was like, before he even went up with the shot, I was like, oh, that's money. Because he's a guy that, when he's got a little bounce to him, a little rhythm, yeah. he's kind of dancing a little bit. That's the type of player that he is. And so when he's stagnant, when he gets that, like, turn and face and post up, you're just not getting that same rhythm and bounce to him. And, and so we generally look to attack with him on the court when LeBron is on the court. He's on the move a little bit more. He's got yeah. a little more motion and rhythm to his game. But so often this season, when he LeBron has come out of the game, it's been, oh, just dump the ball down to AD. And the results haven't been as good. And in this game, I loved the fact that they went to... So AC scored in double digits in this game. I think he scored yeah. 10 points. And he was aggressive in attacking the basket. And that's something like he finally hit a three, but he's never going to be a guy where defenses are like, or at least not this year, defenses are like, oh, crap, that's Alex Caruso shooting a three, right? Yes. But he can put, he was way more aggressive at putting pressure on the rim. And so the threat of that, him just selling that, man, yeah. and then just kick kick it back out to AD, and now AD's got a little bounce. He's been on the move after that pick and pop, and now that's like that's a much more rhythmic shot for him. And so those are the types of attempts. Like, obviously, when LeBron's out of the game, we need to build around AD, but I think that's how we build around AD is by getting him on the move and in rhythm that doesn't always have to be just dump it down to him in fact I think that's counterproductive to it no so two points 
first on AD and, and when he has that little bounce to to his step. If the way that you were talk talking there totally made me think of of him being sort of like a boxer, right? And AD is mm-hmm. great when he's playing on his toes, like on the balls of his mm-hmm. feet, right? When yes. when he is active and sort of just gliding around the ring, right? So, sort of like one of those old like middleweights or welterweights, right? <clears throat> uh-huh. That 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 is just sort of got that dance to him. When when AD is playing like that, he's he is nearly unstoppable because he's just so big and can cover so much ground and is so skilled with the ball in his hands that he's just trouble, right? And it's when he's flat-footed or sort of playing in in this power stance that he's just not as strong, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, again, he's so good he can beat you that way, but that's not his that that's not what he's best at. It's in his bag, though. The second point is on Caruso. I want to say it was maybe one of the first possessions when he came into the game during the third. Well, during the third quarter, they either ran a straight pick and roll or it was a hand handoff play. But he got all to he got all the way to the rim and got a layup, right? Mm-hmm. And so then it's no coincidence that then later in the quarter, when they're running that that pick and roll action, that when he came off hard the first time, then he threw the pocket pass. Then AD gets gets a jumper. They run it again, and it's the sort of that same look, mm-hmm. and and. And then he throws the pocket again. Well, the next play, Dame says, I'm going <laughs> under, right? Uh-huh. So then AD adjusts his pop angle, mm-hmm. and AC then backs off and just throws it over the top because there's no defender in front of him at all. And then AD gets another jumper. And so I said this on Twitter at the time. Caruso wasn't doing anything special nope. in these pick and rolls, right? All nope. he was doing was making was making the right read and the right pass. And that and that is just a baseline level of competency in that action, but it made all the difference in the world because it got set up way earlier by doing exactly what you said, which was being aggressive going to the basket because that is his game as an offensive player in the half court. He's not mm-hmm. a spot up guy. He is a slasher off of the ball and on the ball. He needs to be attacking the rim. And so when that's his game, guys are going to go under screens. And if he is able to turn the corner, guys are going to try to back up off of him in in order to try to challenge him at the rim. Well, guess what? If he can make the pocket pass, and if he can make the over-the-top pass when guys go under the screen, then that's that's going to show up in ways to get AD specifically some good shots in in these non-LeBron minutes. At least it did in this game. We'll see if that can continue go, going forward. But I thought that sequence of plays turned the game in the Lakers' favor. They were up one when LeBron went out. When the quarter closed, they were up seven going plus six in those four and a half minutes that LeBron sat. That won them the basketball game, man. Like, like you won't convince me otherwise. No, that 
and getting productive minutes in those non-LeBron minutes is going to be huge throughout the rest of the playoffs, right? Because LeBron's going to play 40 minutes per game, but those other eight minutes, that can swing a game. And this is the first time that we found a reliable offensive action in the playoffs thus far that worked when LeBron was on the bench, and we really saw that in those minutes. Now, one last thing, uh, Rajon Rondo was supposed to play in this game. He was a late scratch due to back spasms, saw him struggling what impact do you think, having seen the playoffs, and one thing that I'm experiencing through these first th- three games is realizing how, again, right, it's been just been several years, the, the ways in which the playoffs are different, right? It's in the game planning in the, this particular team has these guys that impact the game in this way, and so it, you have to change kind of your game plan. What impact would Rondo's return make on this team? I mean, it's it's hard to say in, like, the big picture. I think if you're looking for positives, I do think that if he plays in minutes with LeBron, he can, he can initiate the off, or he can at least bring the ball up in a way where you can put LeBron at different parts of the floor to start a possession, and that can trigger different things within your offense that are harder to get to. Yeah, like Gary Trent was picking LeBron up full court. That's something that if we are to face the Clippers at some point, I fully expect them, the whole series, to pick LeBron up 94 feet. And just having some possessions off where he's, you know, you know, Rondo's bringing the ball up court and LeBron's moving to the wing, even if LeBron's the guy that ends up really running the meat of the play, the, the the main action of the play, not having to beat a guy over and over and over again while bringing up the court, that would definitely be an advantage of him. I expect if the Lakers play the Houston Rockets that Daniel House or P.J. Tucker or mm-hmm. Robert Covington or Russell Westbrook or even James Harden will also find their way into picking LeBron up at the – opposite foul line and mm-hmm. and just trying to make him turn a couple of times right like look the book is out on that everyone mm-hmm. knows that this is one way that you can try to disrupt the lakers yeah and, we got one playmaker really yeah and look doc rivers did it opening night with patrick beverly he told patrick beverly you're gonna guard lebron 94 feet try to turn him a couple of times you try to wear him down a little bit maybe draw an offensive foul maybe get them into the shot clock a little bit there are little benefits on the margins that can if not turn a game in your favor turn a possession in your favor turn two Mm -hmm. possessions in your favor and when you're talking about a playoff game one or two possessions can actually be the difference in something meaningful right? Like mm-hmm. they can make a four possession game, a two possession game. And then all you need is to make one or two more threes than your opponent. And suddenly you're ahead, right? Mm-hmm. And, and this is the calculus of what a playoff game is. And, and so when you talk about Rondo, that is a positive that, that he can bring. Now on the negative side though, like, look, man, Alex Caruso is proving extremely valuable as a defensive player in this series against Mm -hmm. Damian Lillard. Oh, can I just say, he's been sitting on Dame's left shoulder 
and he's been providing just wonderful back pressure on him. And now they look they look to uh, attack Crusoe in isolation. Dame got a couple buckets, which he's going to do against anybody. But the step backs and the bombs and the sidesteps from deep, Crusoe is defending them perfectly, man. He is so technically sound as a defensive player. There was a possession, and it's not going to show up in the box score at all. I didn't write it down in terms of like where it was within the game, but Dame was on the right side of the floor. He had sort of shaken Caruso, and there might have even been like a handoff sequence, right? And so it, it actually might have been that sequencing when they were running that screen and roll action with Carmelo when Carmelo was on the block and then they were screen and then Dame was screening for him. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, Dame got free and then Caruso, when he slot, when he closes out and it's a short distance to close out, he is in his stance and sliding, but he always has his right hand up. Like, you know, you coached high school basketball. You remember those slide drills that you would do oh, yeah. it, like in shell action, right? Oh, where he's so he's so a coach's son. Like there's so much of what he does that cracks me up where I'm like, yeah, that dude, that dude's a coach's son. But he what he's been doing is he's been playing right hand high almost all the time whenever he feels like he's in when Dame is in his shooting pocket area and so he's been playing right hand high and 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 just showing dame that he is ready to contest that shot high and honestly there are there are just so many little things that he does in order to deter an action there was that horrendous defensive transition play from braun and ad I, i think it was maybe at the start of the fourth quarter or late in the third third quarter but only AC and Danny Green and Dwight Howard were were, were back. LeBron <laughs> right. and AD were basically watching. LeBron was walking and, and AD was literally standing like at three quarter court and just watching. AD actually never even got past, got back past half court. Caruso, Caruso and Green, they all closed out multiple times. The last closeout was by Caruso after getting sucked into to the paint, closed all the way back out to CJ, ran him off the three-point three, three point line. CJ drove in and shot a floater over Dwight. Dwight Howard that missed. The Lakers secured the defensive rebound. Now, nothing that Caruso did will be in a box score, right? Like, if you actually watch CJ miss, miss the shot, that shot miss will come up on, like, Dwight Howard for challenging the mm-hmm. shot, right? But all Caruso did was hustle up up and down the floor. Like, I know people get tired, or at least they probably do get tired, of you and I sort of singing the praises of, you know, Alex Caruso, the, you, you know. I don't like, care. I don't care. Those are the guys that in between the LeBrons and Anthony Davises, they, like, they're nowhere near as valuable, but you 100% need a guy like him to be able to get to where you want to go. He just made a bunch of winning plays this game. And I'm actually happy that the box score contributions were there as well so that when I do get on Twitter and say Alex Russo was damn good this game, that that no one fires back at me and says, oh, well, you know, 
Well, yeah, with his one for four and two points, right? Be- because this game, he was good, man. And he mm-hmm. did so many things well. And I know we started this off talk- talking about like Rajon Rondo, but and I pivoted to Alex Caruso because whatever Rondo does, I hope that Caruso, it's not at the expense of Alex Caruso, right? Mm-hmm. A- and what I'm hopeful is, is that if Rondo's going to play, that maybe this is going to sound weird, but that maybe it comes at the expense of like J.R. Smith or one of the other guards that has sort of been flirting within the rotation and, and that some of the benefits that Rondo can bring to, to the court can, can flourish while his negatives can be hidden by some of the talent that is placed around him. We'll see. Like to me, it's not necessarily the biggest positive though, that on the night he was cleared to play after really, you know, probably battling back from a broken thumb and surgery to get back that then in warmups, he has to deal with back spasms, back spasms, right? Like remember, look at some of the Clippers guys who were in and out of the bubble and who clearly like do not look like themselves, like Montrezl Harrell, Mm -hmm. especially, right? It is going to be very difficult to get your rhythm in Mm -hmm. a playoff series after not playing for so long. It'd be one thing if the, if the season had been going that whole time, then Rondo breaks his thumb right before the playoffs and then comes back right. Like after Mm -hmm. a month, and says, all right, well, it's the playoffs, but at least I was playing. No, man, like, it's been, it's been since March. Mm-hmm. And, and, in, and it's literally gonna, about to be the last week of August. It's, it's been five months, man. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure about him holding up physically, personally. No, and, and that's a fair concern. Um, but I do think that this is the... This is the series to, if he can get back, if the back spasms are a short-term thing and he can come back on Monday, ideally he gets some run in this and, and we can close this out before the next series against Houston. Because I do think that having someone else who can dribble, if it, it would be very important. And if playoff Rondo is a thing, I would like to see it. And because the type of player that he is, if he's really good, like we could use a guy exactly like that. You know what I mean? And if he's he is able to turn it up and it, like defensively he needs to, you know, make his rotations. My concern is that he's small. Like there's some parts of his game defensively especially that are like that he can't do anything about, right? Like he's he's not going to be very big. He's not he's the one guy like that's the thing that this Lakers team hangs their hat on is the defensive end. And that's part of why they're enormously frustrating in the first half of this game, but still only down by four. Because even when they're not great on defense, they're still pretty good. And he's the one guy that doesn't necessarily fit in with that. So, that said, he has been through all of this. My biggest concern with Caruso is that the moment would be too big for him. That's true of KCP. Danny Green's been through it plenty of times. and he, he, I actually thought Danny Green played really well tonight. He didn't get a ton of shots, but I, like defensively he was fantastic, and um, especially in that second half. But with Rondo, he's not a guy where like this is going to be too much for him. So I do think that getting him some reps in this series – will be valuable, but I agree with you that not at the expense of Crusoe. Yeah, so speaking of the rest of this series, so, and I think this will be a good place to sort of wrap up, but I but I wanted to get your thoughts on 
where does Portland go from here? And do you think they have enough gas in their tank to string this series out longer? You you know, like before the series star started, we were very much on that's Mr. Lillard, right? It still is, it still is Mr. Right? Lillard. And, and, and it still is. And so, like, that's a guy who I never doubt. I never sort of you'll 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 never see me making a snarky dame joke on Twitter. <laughs> right? Harrison learned his lesson on that. So yes. but they're in a tough spot now. They're yeah. they're they're down to one. They've been sort of going balls to the wall now for like what five weeks, going on six weeks where every game has been important, every game has been a playoff game. Right, they played eight C seeding games. They played a play-in game. They've now played three actual play playoff games. Th- that's been twelve games, pretty much going every other day. There's not going to be any rest days this series. Right, they're they're going to be back at it again on Monday. And how do you think it goes for them, or or how much do you think they have left in the tank? Like, is is that a real thing? They look tired at the end of this game. Bro, you are leading me into this because you pointed this out earlier, and you're exactly right. They look gassed. Nurkic, man, is huffing and puffing. And, yeah, they and Dame has carried such a load. And like, that's part of... I love how this series prepares us for Houston. I don't necessarily love how these two teams prepare us for the Clippers. <laughs> but I do think that, that our size on the perimeter and that includes like the hedges from you know from AD and Houston is a team that's going to isolate more than mm-hmm. Portland will. Portland's more of a ball screen team. Houston's also not a drop coverage team. We're going to have to deal with a lot more switching. Anyway, we'll get there when we get when we get there, but I don't this is in a lot of ways it's playing out aligned with what we were hoping for and, and seeing in the ple- in the preview. This was the game in which the free throw attempts were the the discrepancy was the most severe. That was something we said in the preview we'd really be looking at free throw attempts as indicative of how this series is going. We thought the Lakers could really get a huge advantage there. This Lakers team is going to be a physically exhausting team to play against, both due to their size and they're just they're really good on the perimeter. They've got so many guys who know how to play defense and have the talent to do it between AD, Dwight is a multiple DPOY, LeBron, uh, Alex Caruso, Danny Green, KCP even, right? Kuzma has taken a big leap forward in this respect. This is an oppressive defense. And when you combine that with their size, like, it's going to take, it's going to, what it's going to, the shots that are open for Damian Lillard are 35-footers. He can make those. But Damian's going to have to have a game where he hits, like, four of those in order for them to have a chance. I don't know, man. Like in a lot of ways, we saw a game where both Dame and CJ had it going today, and it was still a you know by and, the end of it, it and uh, Carmelo too. Look, mm-hmm. it was third quarter at least. Yeah, it, well, it was throw. Look, he kept them in the game when no one else could score for them. Carmelo went vintage mellow and hit a bunch of mid range shots. Got to the foul line. Right, he had like thirteen points in the quarter. And that was really big for them. 
like I tweeted out that it looked like it was St. Vincent St. Mary's versus Oak Hill. <laughs> right. The way right. that like the way that he was attacking LeBron out there and and but on a game where look Mello, CJ and Dame combined for 82 points this game. Portland scored 108. So they only got 26 points from the rest of their roster and clearly that's not enough but on but I don't know where the other points come from man like and I, well, and I don't know how they stop our guys like we shot like crap from the free throw line and this was a like a 17 free throw attempt game for LeBron and a 14 attempt free throw game from AD it's 31 free throw attempts man they shot 19 for the whole team you know and they're defensively they're weak where we're strong and yeah. you know if I'm if I'm the coach, you know, maybe I'm, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm trapping LeBron. I'm, I'm definitely packing the paint, hoping that KCP and Danny Green can't hit a shot or anything like that. But at the end of the day, like I, I don't think there's much that that they can do. I think the the Lakers really in that second half asserted their superiority and uh, took a commanding two one lead. And we'll see where we go from here. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We will catch you guys next time. Ainge has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Campbell in and out. The ball is tipped, and it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. A lot of Laker fans well, sticking around like, for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe. Are you kidding me? Unreal! Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple on a fall away in the corner with a shot knocked down. Lakers by three. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietras jogging back. Didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Powell. There's the move. Two, one. Listen! Brian, yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? The NBA and NHL are playing for gold, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day and all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.